at the beginning of the service, but I'm going to start a little earlier. Luke 1, starting in 26. Luke 1, starting in 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I love that. That'll preach. Look at verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And now down to verse 46 that we read earlier. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. May God bless the reading of his word together. I think today is question morning. Mary, did you know? Do you hear what I hear? Etc. Well, we've enjoyed the song, Mary, Did You Know, twice now in, in the span of a week. Thank you, Steve, and Joyful Noise for sharing it once again. Mary, Did You Know was written by singer, songwriter, and comedian Mark Lowry. I read an article about Mark writing this song this week. The article says, for Mark Lowry, almost every day is Christmas. Whether the storyteller and singer takes the stage for a concert, he always closes the show with the same song, 
Mary, did you know? <coughs> Excuse me. When you have one hit, you better end with it, Lowry said in a recent phone interview. Mark wrote, Mary, did you know with Buddy Green, a well-respected songwriter and instrumentalist in 1991, while both were on tour with gospel singers Bill and Gloria Glather. Recorded first by Michael English, the song has become a modern Christmas staple. It's been sung by many of the greatest names in the business. <coughs> Excuse me. The idea for the song dates back to the conversations that Lowry had with his mother about Jesus and Mary. Most of these conversations revolved around the question, what was it like to raise the Son of God? Literally, it was like teaching the Word of God to talk. What was it like to give him a haircut? Did she ever walk into his room and say, clean this mess up? He added that most of the questions he had did not make their way into the song. Only the ones that rhymed made it into the song. They stuck with Lowry, who thought they might work for a song if he could find the right music. Do you have one of those lozenges, hon? <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Now, if I get gone, I hope none of this, I hope this doesn't hit you. <laughs> Several musicians tried to come up with a melody to fit these questions that Lowry had, but none of them fit. While on tour with the Gaithers, he showed the lyrics to Buddy Green, met Buddy Green years ago, a wonderful harmonica player, by the way. Green took them home and started working on some music. Lowry recalls that Buddy Green, who could not be reached, had spent a day listening to Christmas carols written in minor keys, like What Child Is This and We Three Kings, and composed the melody for Mary Did You Know. It was beautiful, he said. It was haunting. Made the song work. Didn't take away from the message. It elevated the message. While writing the lyrics, Lowry said he imagined himself as an overly enthusiastic angel who showed up at the manger during the Christmas story and was filled with questions. He kept using the phrase, did you know, to express that enthusiasm. As if the angel was bubbling over with joy for what the birth of Jesus meant. The questions in the song are the questions Lowry would have asked if he had been there. So I ask you this morning, so, what did Mary know? What did Mary know? Let's look at our text today and see if we can discover some aspect of the thoughts of this young virgin girl who had been chosen by God to bear his only son. So, what did Mary know? Well, number one, Mary knew that she had been chosen by God. Mary knew that she had been chosen by God. 
Look at verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I think we've said for several weeks, God is with us. The Lord is with you. The greeting, the initial words of the angel were that she was highly favored and she was chosen by God. And then that God was with her. God was with Mary, friends. Oh, the wonderful thing that was starting to unfold here. God was putting into motion the redemption plan for mankind. And the people that were a part of the story were starting to get the message. Joseph, Zechariah, and Elizabeth. People chosen by God to participate in the unfolding plan of grace and mercy. And the message from God to each of them is the same message. I have chosen you. I am with you. Don't be afraid. I have chosen you. I am with you. Do not be afraid. And that's point two. Number two, Mary knew that she didn't have to be afraid. She knew that she didn't have to be afraid. Here's our series sub-theme rising up again. The angel saw her fear. It says she was greatly troubled and spoke these words that we'd love to hear. Do not be afraid. Of all the characters in the story of Christmas that we have learned about so far, this young girl had the most to fear. She had the most at stake. As we learned in our message on Joseph, <coughs> the society that they lived in did not look, <coughs> I'm sorry, <coughs> I haven't had one of these tickles in years. The society that they lived in did not look kindly at pregnancy out of marriage. And of course her question here is, how can this be? If you look at the natural circumstances that she was not married, she had never had a relationship with a man, the words of the angel certainly brought confusion and doubt and fear. But I believe that Mary had already grown faith in her life. I think Mary had already had implanted into her life a life of faith, a life of trust in God. She already knew about the God who did miracles and that God had not left Israel alone. His plan was starting to be fulfilled. She was among those in Israel, like Simeon, who we met in the temple two weeks ago, who was waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the Lord's Messiah. Mary was waiting like all of Israel for what God had said would take place to happen. Because Mary had seen the word of the Lord. She had seen and heard the promises through her life. She did not have to be afraid. She did not have to be afraid. Thirdly, Mary was a willing servant. Mary was a willing servant. Look at verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. 
May your word to me be fulfilled. When the angel left her, the angel had gotten his answer. And Mary had said yes to the call of God on her life. She had accepted the word of the Lord, the plan that God had set out for her. A willing servant of God. Say willing servant. Look at the progression of the call on her life here. First, from everything we can see here, she had lived a life that honored God. She had positioned herself to hear God and answer the call on her life. Second, she asked the obvious question, and, and friends, that's okay. That's okay. It's okay to ask God for a little clarification. It's like, did I hear you right? Did you just say what I think you said? <laughs> There is an honesty in this, not a rebellion or a disagreement with God. She just questions the word that she heard. Third, she answers the call and expresses her willingness, her obedience to the plan of God. She describes herself as the Lord's servant. And then she goes on to say that she is in agreement with the plan. May your word be fulfilled. I think these are lessons for us. To live lives that honor God. To position ourselves to hear from God. To be able to discern the calling and the task of service that the Lord has for us. We need to be able to ask honest questions. To make sure that we are hearing the voice of the Spirit. Discernment. We've talked about how easily we are swayed off track. How distraction is such a common occurrence in our lives. Friends, ask the right questions. Hear with the ears of the Spirit in your lives. Make, make sure that what you are sensing is really God's voice. Once that is done... Be obedient. Go for it. Go for it. Because God is going to do what he says he's going to do. We need to do what God calls us to do. How about, how about that? I extended our, our little sentence we've used a lot. Because God is going to do what God says he's going to do. We need to do what God asks us to do. Be the obedient servant. React in obedience. I love her response. May it be to me as God has said. May, may it happen to me just as God has said it. I'm in agreement. Are you in agreement with God? Are you at a place in your life where, where you are agreeing with God, what God is saying to you? I hope so. Number four, Mary reacted in obedience, then she responded with praise. I love this. I'm a praise and worship guy. Listen once more to what Mary proclaimed. We've read it a couple of times now, but I love this passage of Scripture. This is a young woman who has just been startled by an announcement and just received big news about her life. 
And this passage actually occurs when she has interaction with her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist. That's when this song of praise occurs. Do you remember what happened when, when, when Mary, Mary knocked on Elizabeth's door and she went in? Elizabeth, Elizabeth said that the, that the baby leaped in my womb. John the Baptist already recognized Jesus, Messiah. Well, that gives shivers, doesn't it? And then, and then, I think that occasion of Mary spending time with Elizabeth just brought, just brought to her, her, her mind and, and, and her life absolute confirmation as to what God was doing. Look what God has done for my cousin. Look what God is doing for me. Look what, look what God is doing in our lives. Look what God is doing in the world. Bringing redemption, grace, and forgiveness to our world. My cousin's baby is going to get out there and say, Make ye the way for the Lord. He is coming. You remember what John the Baptist said? He said, I'm not even worthy to lace up his shoes. Mary's Mary's reaction is obedience. Her response is praise. Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord. The King James says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. What a personal, intimate interaction with God here. God, my soul glorifies you. He, God, has been mindful of me. God sees me. He, he, he not only sees me and acknowledges me, but he has blessed me in such an amazing way. She is grateful, friends. And then... And then I think it's really incredible that this young girl, Mary, writes this theological praise statement. In a sense, recounting how great God had been to the nation. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant, but from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name and his mercy extends. Say extends. Woo! I love this. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation and I might say from generation to generation to generation to generation to today. His mercy extends. Say that. His mercy extends. God has extended his mercy through the sending and the coming and the obedience of his one and only son. You see, Christmas is all about the baby Jesus, although we've learned about these other characters. Christmas is all about the one who was coming, the one who they were anticipating, the one who they were able to see come to fruition. I remind you of Simeon. A couple of weeks ago, you remember the video? Simeon holding that baby. 
Simeon who had who had waited for all of those years and and seemingly God had been silent and there he was say fulfillment there he was Mary is writing a theological statement of praise here because of God's blessing to her but because God was going to extend mercy he was going to extend grace he was going to extend forgiveness from generation to generation to generation she goes on and she she recounts some of the goodness of God to the nation Mary knew enough from from having heard the words of the teachers, from having heard the words of the scriptures in her life, that, that the great God had brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted the humble. She, she had learned that, that God had, 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 had helped Israel and continued to be merciful. She had learned that God was merciful and gracious to Abraham and his ancestors forever, just as he had promised. God was going to do what God said he was going to do. And Mary, I think Mary realized that. That's why Mary could say, be it unto me according to your word. Because she had seen that he was a God to be trusted. He was a God to be trusted. Praise. When God moves in our lives, praise should be the response. When God speaks to our hearts, praise should be the response, should be the reply. When God's greatness is on display, praise should be expressed. This baby Jesus grew to be a young man. And as arguably a very young man was teaching truth to the to the priests in the in the synagogue. Saying things that amazed. And then uh, they were at a wedding. With, with his his mother Mary, and uh, you recall that they came to Mary and they said we've we've, we've run out of wine. The party's going to discontinue. We got a problem here. Remember what she she did? She looked at, she looked at her son Jesus and said, "They've run out of wine. What are you going to do about it?" And he said, whoa, just a second, my, my time is not, we're, we're, we're not beginning into the ministry of Messiah yet. But he honors his mom. And he, remember? And he turns the water into wine. And the party continues. And his ministry begins. And then we think down through the Gospels. We hear the stories of how he touched and healed, of how he, of how he this, this one that had been a baby in a manger had walked the roads of Galilee, and the crowds had gathered, and he had t- 
touched folks and, and healed them. I preached a sermon a long time ago um, with the idea of Jesus was the only hope that they had. Jesus was the only hope of the blind man begging along the road. He was the only hope of the, the lame man who could not walk. He was the only hope of the diseased woman who reached out and touched his garment. Jesus went from the baby in the manger to the only hope of mankind. The authorities didn't like it. He was turning the world upside down, so to speak. He was preaching things and teaching things that, that did not agree with the traditional mode of thinking. And for it, they found reason and they put him to death. He died with a, with a criminal on each side. But on the third day, in the power of God, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death, conquering the grave, and extending mercy, extending mercy from generation to generation to generation to generation to today, to today. He extends mercy today, friends. He extends mercy today. For by the, uh, unless there is the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. And the blood that was shed was the wonderful, perfect blood of the perfect Lamb, Jesus. From the baby in the manger to the cross to the empty tomb to the right hand of God the Father. Let's continue to worship together. Carly, come.